Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of The Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I am here on the day after Christmas with Megan Mm -hmm. Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Merry Christmas. I hope it went smoothly. We don't know because we actually aren't (laughs) recording this the day after Christmas. Let's assume that we can say, as you said so wisely recently, that was hard, but we're okay. okay. (laughs) Yeah, we made it. We made it. And I feel like this episode is like a gift to everybody because a lot of people take breaks at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. we podcasters, you mean like, yeah, right. Yeah. A lot, <laughs> a lot of those people take breaks, but a lot of podcasts do go on break and we decided not to, because we wanted to kind of give you guys a little something. I know, you know, you've got a lot of cleanup to do, uh, maybe some travel more alone time yeah. than usual, less alone time than usual travel, right? You're out of your usual routine. And so this is a way to kind of keep in touch with that routine a little bit, but it's going to be fun because we're doing a look back at our favorite episodes and not just our favorite episodes but your favorite episodes. it's mostly you guys's favorite episodes of 2018 a little retrospective we're going to play some clips um of just some of the best moments of the show it's something we've wanted to do and haven't done yet so we're really really excited and yeah we can't skip a week guys we haven't skipped a week in like i don't know three years not only have something. we not skipped a week we actually almost did two episodes a week this year yeah didn't you say it was 90 episodes? we did 90 episodes in, in fact, this is our 90th. This is officially wow. the last show of 2018. In one year. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. 
She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. So shall we look back at the last year of content? Yeah, let's do it. Are you going to help set this up? So I am. So the first episode that we're going to feature some clips from is 161. Okay. Hey, Sarah, by the way, one thing I'm very proud of in 2018 <laughs> is that is I finally became comfortable with saying 161 <laughs> rather than 161. <laughs> Remember when we switched into the triple digits, how hard of a time I had with that? Yeah, I'm, I, I can't even confirm that that happened in, I think it was maybe midway through 2018. I think yeah, okay. sometime in it 2018, long... you stopped being awkward about three digit numbers. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I always had to be 41 years old before it happened. No, it's like every time I'd go to, I'd be like, you know, we switch back and forth who sets up an episode, but I would say, hello, you know, hey everyone, welcome to the mom or one episode, 119 of the mom hour. It's like, it felt so weighty. I wanted to give it the proper weight and now I'm just over <laughs> and it. And I would Whatever. just sit there and smile. Yeah. We're okay. moving under the 200 soon enough. So 161 um, is 161. And the episode's title was the life changing magic of opting out. And, this was very widely um, like a big one in our community, people yes. calling for it. But one of my favorite things is every now and then I forget how once you discover that you don't have to do something yes. for the first time, mm-hmm. how revolutionary that feels. Mm-hmm. And then you get used to it and you're just like, oh, of course I don't do that. Like, yeah. you, I don't fold underwear. Why would I do that? Yeah. Like me, I don't, you know, I don't buy school pictures unless I feel like it. Yeah. Right. So, but the first year that I made that choice, how big that yeah and sometimes it takes another mom like even showing you that it's an option like wait I didn't know that I could opt out of homework well yeah yeah, you can if you want (laughs) yeah yeah so we're gonna play you guys some clips and I have to say one of the things that really stood out at me is this like 
that everything changes. And so what you're opting out of right now may actually be seen as good parenting to opt out of later. So like, Oh, like you, you think up, you're making like a, like a renegade like a choice, yes. choice, but like your counterculture renegade, renegade choice could be the thing in two years or five years or 10. Right. So like some, you, you could be like a trendsetter or you could right. be, you know, we could write a book about it. Like you, you, yeah. just, you could just be ahead of your time. A and B, if you just are not doing something because you just don't want to. Yeah. Sometimes I have found, and I think I speak to this in one of these clips, is like if I consistently don't want to do something or I fall down on the job or feel bad about the way it's turning out when I try, me deciding yes. as a choice, I'm 100%. not going to do that, mm -hmm. flips the script. Yep. Like a hundred percent. That was me with folding pajamas. And I use that yeah. example. It's like, you just give yourself permission to say, I don't do that thing instead of beating yourself up for not doing it. Right. So nothing has changed except the way you explain it to yourself in your right. mind. Yeah. yeah. And then the way you talk about it on a podcast, if you have a podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you guys are going to hear a few different clips um, from this episode. And yeah, we had so many people say that this was one of their favorites. We also had Coffee and Crumbs. Our friends over there did an entire episode on the things they don't do inspired by this. So um, keep the conversation going. More, more of us need to talk about what we don't do, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into it. The whole point right. of opting out to me is like, figuring out the things that don't add value to your life as a mom and figuring out a way to not do them or outsource them. And we'll talk about that. Um, but like, there's several things that I don't do that if the mom down the street does, I think that's amazing. And I, I don't yeah. know, I feel like we've said this before, but it, it bears repeating because um, it's totally okay if you are 100% into something that we've opted out of. I totally agree. And I will say two things. One, I, some of the things that I opted out of was more about me just never getting around to doing them or finding myself always resisting them and then finally making peace with that. So it's right. not like, it's not like I went into each one of my opt outs. Like I therefore claim that I shall <laughs> opt out of X, Y, Z. It was more like I found every time this thing rolled around this time of year or whatever this activity was, I just wasn't into it. Or when I did it, I felt like I didn't do a good job or took away from something else. I wanted to do more. And then, so I kind of backed into a lot of these and right. I think to your point, Sarah, um, we can't all do all the things. No. And but it's so easy to look around and see the cumulative. Yes. Um, like the cumulative results of many people doing many things. Right. And to think that that means every mom is doing all of them. And, and that's yes. not that's not true. Like, it's just not the case. So just because there are beautiful photos um, that one mom took of like, say, a recital. And you got there late, you were sitting so far in the back and then you forgot to take your camera out or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that doesn't mean like literally every mom was doing it. It means that like a couple did. And yeah. so there's just, that's just like one kind of example off the top of my head. But I just feel like we, we tend to think that everyone's doing all of it. And I it's agree. just not true. And then by, but by like either deciding ahead of time to opt out or by embracing the fact that you already kind of by default did and just yes. give yourself some grace, like you just take some of that guilt away from it you do and, and yeah yeah I was gonna say that as well like it's just a mental shift but instead of feeling guilty that you're not doing something you've just internally declared that you don't do that thing and right. let me say something else I think it's really good for our kids to see us setting boundaries and we're going to talk about really silly stuff so I feel like we're making right. this into a bigger deal than it is but it's not bad for our kids to see us setting boundaries and saying like oh, you know, I don't do that. Or I, you know, I've found a way for someone else to do that. And it's not super healthy for our think our kids to think that we are all powerful and can do everything. I think it's really good yeah. for kids to see us making choices about where and how to spend our time. 
I totally agree. And I also, before we launch in, I want to say one quick thing about judgment, because I know it's so hard to go through your life as a mom without worrying that people are noticing every move you make yep. and judging every move you make. And I think people really don't notice the things you don't do as much as you think that they do. I mean, they might notice the things you do do, especially if you make a big deal about it. Yeah. But like, if you're just not at something like some event, or if you didn't um, say dress your kid in like tie dye on tie dye day or whatever it is, yeah. you know, most of the time people are not going to go out of their way to notice. No. And I, I yeah. <laughs> and they've all got their own stuff going on. Like everyone's exactly. already, everyone's thinking we're all thinking about ourselves and exactly. our own families most of the time and worrying that people are looking at us. So we're not really looking at what you are doing or not doing. And so, you know, and if someone does judge you for it, like that's on them, like that's on them. not everyone's opinion has to matter to you either. Well, not, so. not only that, but they are probably noticing the things you're doing and right. thinking they're falling down on the job. Like it goes right. both ways. So it really yes. does. Yeah, it's funny. It just reminds it's so funny how like things come in and out of fashion. It just it's just like you look back over 20 years of me as a mom. What was like everybody doing 20 years ago? What were some people doing 20 years ago? How long did it take some people to start doing the other thing? You yeah, know, it's like, yes, it's yes. Just the waves. So funny to see. Yeah, the waves. And like, I don't even know where everyone falls with like V-backs. But I remember like every time I got pregnant and I didn't ever have a cesarean, but I was always curious. Yeah. Every pregnancy, I would kind of like feel the waters to see how people felt about V-back. And I swear mm -hmm. from pregnancy to pregnancy, it was different every time. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, that's just one example. Yeah. Or like gestational diabetes, testing all these things. Like how early should you have your first ultrasound? Um, everything from pregnancy on either flip-flopped or slowly arced. Yeah. <laughs> And like came, so, you know, in 10 years, if you're listening to this and it's 10 years, it's tw the year 2028, 20, maybe baby <laughs> lead weaning is out and yeah. everyone's feeding their babies rice cereal again. I don't know. You know, it's just, they all, they, they all turn out. Well, I'm not gonna say they all turn out. Okay. That's, you can't say that, but like yeah. most of the time, the way you do things is going to be fine. I think we can all like, we can all probably agree that the school picture industry is a little outdated. Yes. Um, and I just didn't want to play that game anymore. I think that's I a great out. opt out. And I would add that think about the, the photo, the professional photo opt outs. There's lots of them. Like when you're at Disneyland, for example, oh, yeah. and there's like there's pressure to get the photo, the Santa photo. I'm actually going to talk about that when I talk about a Christmas opt out in a minute. But um, you don't have to buy the pictures, guys. That's just a general yeah. opt out. <laughs> You don't have to take your baby in at the three months, six months. Yes, yes. Like, yeah, you don't, have you, to take, you don't have to pose your baby every month on their month birthday with no, like you a don't. sign. No, you don't you have don't. to do any of that stuff. Like all, none of that stuff happened until <laughs> people had like internet. Yeah. Till Instagram. And I promise you, you know, like earlier generations of children were not deprived because they don't have a picture of themselves sitting with a sign when they were five months old. Totally. It's and just not a thing. The freedom of opting out is it makes room for you to do other things. So maybe right. there's some other way that you want to mark the passing of the new school year with a photo or maybe, but you don't have to do all the things. That's, that's right. Again, we come that's back the, to Yeah, that. exactly. And I'm not trying to knock anybody who takes those pictures. They're really cute. I love seeing other people's, but I just, I, what, what I, what I am very bothered by sometimes is just the amount like the mounting pile yeah. of obligations yes. that are related to, to specific <laughs> timelines or milestones yeah. or, and there's so many it's like, you can't even get through a day without having something you're supposed to do today because today is X day. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I hear you. Blah. Yeah. 
I don't know. What do you feel like is like the the takeaway from that? Like, because I don't want it to be like, uh, just don't so go to assemblies. I think the takeaway is, especially for our younger, newer moms, if you're entering school parenting, um, it's easy to feel like, like we said at the top of the show, it's easy to feel like every parent is showing up for everything. And I'm, we're actually at a very small school where there's a ton of parent involvement and I'm very involved. So I'm there a lot, but I'm not there for everything. And I kind of, I almost feel like it's a badge of honor. Like I, a lot of like people don't know who I am because I hide in the library and that's my volunteer job. And like, right. I make it very clear that like I, the stuff that I show up for, I want to really be there for. Um, and mm-hmm. I think if you're in an area where there's pressure to be super, super involved and be there for everything at school, just know that not everybody is, and you might be making a full-time working single mom feel better about herself by, by helping lower the bar a little bit. Yeah, like, no, you know I what agree. I mean? Like, yeah. Our standards can relax a little bit, I think. Um, Nobody noticed that I wasn't there. Exactly. So yeah, including think- my sister-in-law, who's a teacher there. She had no idea that I wasn't there. She was <laughs> his teacher this year. And then that, that also added like another kind of level of like, Ugh, should I come? Because no, it's important to it's yeah. important to the people it's really important to. But that doesn't mean it has to be important to everybody. Also, so, when you yeah. show up for fewer things, your kids are really excited when you're there. I will that's say that. True. Like it's not a given. Yeah. Um, so and I think that's everything we talked about, like school parties, field trips, whatever. All right, so we're back and we're going to talk about probably our top requested interview or top um, listener favorite interview of the year. So as you guys know, we do interviews once a month. We actually did 11. We didn't do a brand new interview in December. So we did 11 voices interviews this year. And we're just really grateful to all of the moms, women who joined us on the show. Um, But the interview that came up as the one that everybody talked about is my conversation with Kate Rope, who's a journalist and an author, and she wrote a book called Strong as a Mother, and it has her own experience with postpartum anxiety and postpartum struggles. Um, but then she did a ton of research, and it is a fantastic book. And people, the people who wrote to us and said, oh, my gosh, no one's ever explained it that way, um, or this speaks to my experience. So that was huge. I mean, we it's really important to us that we take on these bigger, tough topics that, Megan, you and I can't speak specifically to all of them from our own personal experience. So I just feel really good that this conversation happened and that so many people related to it. I, you know, I loved listening. One of the, this was like a light bulb moment for me, listening to her talk about like the scary thoughts or disturbing thoughts Mm -hmm. you might have about your baby and how those can come up. Um, And it made me think about, honestly, we've all had the feeling where we're sitting, we're standing on like the edge of a high cliff or something. And we think, what if I shove that person off? And we all know we're not going to shove the person off the cliff, but we think about it, right? Like that that moment. But because it's some random stranger or a friend, we just think, oh, that's funny. And we move on. But the way that sometimes people have scary thoughts about their kids, it kind of comes from the same biological place. Mm -hmm. It's like a reaction to danger or like it's creating dangers that don't exist. So that in your mind, you can work through yeah. that danger. Yeah. And then, so it's not having the thought that's the problem exactly. because the vast majority of, a, a majority of us have it. The key is then do we let that thought change our behavior? Do yeah. we let it change our behavior? Do we yeah. let it make us freak out and then feel bad about ourselves? Like how, like how does it spiral? Yeah. And that I thought, I had never thought about it that way. Before. Yeah, no. And that, that, um, the clip that we're going to play speaks to that. And I think that was a huge light bulb moment for a ton of parents. And I will say also, if you are past the postpartum 
period, but you have any kind of experience with you or someone you love with any kind of anxiety disorder or any kind of compulsive thinking, um, this is really, really research based, but very accessible information from Kate. Um, And so, yeah, it was a great episode. Love it. Even before you have babies, these are thoughts you might have had. You know, you're standing on a subway platform and you wonder, what if I jump in front of that train? Or you're driving down the road and you think, what if I veered into the oncoming traffic? It's it's our brain's way of kind of test, you know, protecting us and mm-hmm. testing out scary theories. Um, and uh, there's the like number one expert on this is a guy named Jonathan Abramowitz at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And he he and I talked a lot and he said, you know, the things we tend to have these the the things that kick these thoughts up are things that are important to us. So Mm -hmm. it's like, hello, babies, you know, (laughs) and our job is to keep them alive. Um, And so immediately we are evolutionarily programmed to scan for threats. And there aren't any saber toothed tigers around, right? So the threats are kind of more immediate and the threat can be yourself. You can worry that you're going to drop the baby. You could even have a thought like, what if I took that knife and stabbed my baby? Yeah, you could have that thought, and that's that doesn't mean you're going to do that. Um, it's just you see a knife, you're holding your baby, you recognize there could be potential danger there, and your brain puts it together. Yep. Um, so, and he even he even gave me the example of you could be changing your child's diaper and think, what if I molested my child? Um, because that's a huge fear as a parent. Yep. So it's like your brain is searching out the possible dangers mm-hmm. and trying to sift through them and avoid them. So that's normal. 99% of parents, well, actually, I think the actual stat is 91%, but I think it's got to be almost like 99% of parents have those thoughts. That's, I mean, um, that's big. That's a big enough number that I want to just pause for a second. That That's so normal that more than 90% of parents have those thoughts. I think that's, I think there's so many listeners right now who really probably thought they were the only one. Yeah, no, totally normal. And if you start bringing it up around people, um, you'll start hearing about it, you know, like, do you ever think this weird thing? I have these weird thoughts, you know? Oh yeah, me too. You know? Um, so yes, it is totally normal to have those thoughts. Um, and then is there a point at which that can kind of be cross over into the type of anxiety that maybe needs some, some more attention? Yeah. So, um, what matters is not the thought. In evaluating whether or not you have an anxiety disorder, it doesn't matter what that thought is. The thought is not the key to it. The key to it is how do you respond to that thought? Okay. Um, Do you worry that you're a really bad person because you had that thought? Do you start to obsess that you might do something to your child because of these thoughts you're having? Um, Are they uh, taking up so much of your brain space as they were for me that it makes it difficult to function in your life? Right. Um, It's about sort of how you respond. Are you starting to do things to try and control the thought? Like, Mm -hmm. let's say your worry is, um, I'm worried I'm going to drop my baby down the stairs. So you start asking your partner or your mom or whoever's around to take your baby down the stairs because you're worried that you're going to drop the baby. So you're you're altering your behavior to protect the baby. And then the problem with that is that the baby doesn't fall down the stairs and you begin to think, oh, it's because I'm no longer carrying the baby. So it sort of like feeds itself. So, um, and, and you're kind of constantly seeking information for me, it was going online and looking up symptoms um, of possible illnesses. You know, um, I've talked to a lot of moms for whom there's like a car seat thing that happens. They get in the car and they check and recheck that their baby is in the car seat or Mm -hmm. that they're not in the driveway and they're about to run them over. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
if you start to alter your behavior, if yeah. it starts to change how you perceive yourself, yeah. um, if it starts to um, just make it difficult to function, then those are all signs yeah. that you're experiencing an anxiety disorder or potentially a little bit of obsessive compulsive disorder, which is very close to anxiety. They're very tied. Right. And there are really good treatments for both of those. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy is very effective, um, as is um, regular individual psychotherapy. And um, and then there's medication. So for right. me, I did, and often a combination of those. Right. So for me, I did therapy and medication and the medication calmed my brain down enough to be able to engage yeah. in therapy in a productive way right. because I was thinking more clearly and I could say, oh, that, okay, that, that is a really unlikely scenario right. that I'm playing out in my head. Okay. So guys, we have talked on this show a few times about mom friends mm -hmm. and it is one of those things that constantly gets brought up. Like your questions often are about mom friendship. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a request to do multiple shows about mom friendships mm -hmm. and we've done more than one I want to say but yeah. just in the last year and this was a very highly requested um kind of look back episode was episode 144 the myth of the mom tribe and I think why people really love this one is because we talk about like we kind of bust those myths that we all have sort of the like that you have to, that the ideal or even the goal to shoot for is this completely like I don't know this big mom tribe where everyone's kind of in the same place and everyone's yeah. got each other's backs and everyone gets together for it's a sorority coffee it's yeah. a sorority like it's like we're all trying to recreate the sorority like most of us didn't have yeah. in college in in motherhood and that's not how it's played out for me and i i'm sure that's not how it's played out for you sarah and right. so we kind of we kind of bust that myth a little bit yeah and then my favorite part of this episode actually this is a good re-listen if you want to go re-listen to the whole thing because the second half we talked about the type of the types of friends that every mom needs. Um, and yeah. I remember just when we were titling the episode that it really was kind of both. Like in the first half, we talk about this idea of the mom tribe and then we go into really what types of friends kind of nourish a mom's soul. And that part was so fun. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great episode. Maybe this is just me, but this is how I feel like the internet and social media has made mom friends seem. I feel like we're sort of sold this story that everybody's got like a tribe, like a big group of mom friends that you go to girls nights out with, you have big play groups with, you go on fun vacations and you have this like big group sort of uniformly formed and full of the same kind of friendships. And if you don't have that tribe, then you ought to be on the lookout for one. And I, I feel like maybe that's come out of you know, people really do have these wonderful supportive groups of friends and we're totally not going to be knocking that. But I just feel like it's a little more dynamic the way these things ebb and flow over the course of your life. And I yep. feel like somehow this tribe has become not artificial, but this like this, it's a mythical thing. This it's like mythical this, thing. Yeah, That's a great word. A legend. Yeah. Uh, this legendary thing that we all need to be on the hunt for. Um, so I kind of wanted to unpack that a little bit um, and just maybe reassure our listeners that not everybody has a big tribe. Not all tribes are as maybe as, um, I don't know, tight as they seem. Yeah. I was going to say close and also not as active because I know right. a lot of people do have tribes that barely ever see each other, you know, right. and, and your tribe might be made up of a lot of people who don't interact with each other. Right. So your yes. personal tribe could be five people who never speak. To that's, each other. that's definitely, we're going to get yeah. into kind of how our friendships w have worked, but my, I definitely feel like I have the support 
of a tribe, but they're not actually people who hang out with each other. They're just people who fill my right. various friendship needs. So I don't know. We I, like lately we've been hearing from listeners that this is kind of a pain point. Like, you know, I, we, I asked recently on social media, like, what's one thing you're struggling with right now as a mom? And a big one was I feel like I haven't found my people. And a lot of yeah. it is because maybe I had kids later than my friends or I had kids earlier than my friends or now I'm staying home and I was in the corporate world for so long. And so now I need to, quote unquote, find my tribe. So I think that's kind of just what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes is whether or not that's like as simple as it seems from the outside. And, you know, I don't I don't think that it is. So, no, it's not. Well, it's one of those it's one of those imaginary aspirational things that gets (laughs) kind of created on the Internet and then sort of reinforced over and over again in social media. And so then you get the idea that everybody else really has that. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you wrong with your situation and so we like to bust those myths up whenever we can in those days I was just a little more I needed more support um about things that like later I kind of just realized were normal you know yes. like I really needed to sit and talk to other moms about teeth teething yes. and yes. and diapers and potty training and all and weaning and all those things like I really needed I think most people do I think that. that's a really common yeah. Yeah, sure. And then maybe it's that when when that kind of stuff falls away, you're left with sort of the golden nuggets of one or two friendships that really, really deserve to be built on top of that foundation and go beyond. And the rest can kind of fall away. And they just serve their purpose. You know, there are conversations. I remember sitting in a a group of moms having great conversations and I can't picture their faces (laughs) and I can't remember their names. But I know that that was important and helpful and formative for me. It's just that, you know, people feel people come in and out of your life all the time. Yeah. And sometimes like what's that old saying? Sometimes they're there for a day and sometimes they're there for a lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. So. No, I I, I think that's a really, really good point. If you feel like you don't have a tribe, I just going to offer a couple of final thoughts. Um, And we've touched on these, but one is kind of redefine tribe. You mentioned your online community, Megan, and I think that can be really helpful. If there's a part of your friend life that feels less fulfilled, it may be something that can be filled online by joining an online community or like taking an online class. Um, I'm never one to recommend that all of your relationships exist online, but I think that's a really meaningful source for inspiration, for connection. And so if there's something that's not happening for you locally, see if it maybe exists online. And I think the reverse is true. If there's something that's, if you're feeling like online is where everything is, maybe doing something locally would scratch that itch. Does that make sense? No, totally. And I, I've, I should have mentioned that, you know, online has been a huge part of my experience as a mom. Yeah. um, Those online communities for, for the whole time. Yeah. 20 years. You were started off as forums and then it kind of switched to email lists. And then now it mostly takes place on Facebook, just like everything in the world mostly takes place on Facebook. Um, And I think that the the trick is just, you know, one thing I have heard um, is that there seems to be as we see these more aspirational lifestyles and ideas kind of pushed out in our faces all the time. I feel like people's um, perceptions of whether it's true or not, I don't I don't really know. but of how much they're being judged and how much like the pressure is on them has keeps going up. I feel yeah. like moms are under more pressure than ever. Yes. And so I the, guess the word of caution is just whatever it is you're looking for, it's out there. So yeah. don't, you know, don't 
settle for a group that makes you feel bad about yourself yes. or where you feel like you can't keep up. I mean, there's some there your people are online. They right. are there somewhere. Right. Um, you might have to work to find them, but they do exist. So, no, I, I absolutely agree. And my other kind of final tip on this was start by nurturing like one friendship or one activity, yep. because I have found and I meant to mention this earlier that I, I've never been a big group of friends person. But the times that I have found myself in a group, it's usually because of a very close friendship with one or two people. And then they might be more group oriented or they might right. be the organizers or so I end up in a group by default, but it wasn't because I went looking for that group. It was because I connected with one person or I started one, you know, activity or behavior that led to the group. So yeah. um, it's almost just like flip flopping what your what your goal is instead of having a goal to have a tribe, have a goal to really nurture one or two relationships and you may find yourself in a tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Or like we said before, you can always work backward and that right. that is online as well. You, you can be part of a big tribe and then you can choose to really narrow it down and, yeah. and just invest in one or two people you really connect with. When I was, um, when Jacob was two and Isaac was an infant, like two or three months old, um, I lived in an apartment complex and it was like a really depressing apartment complex. It was like, the only thing you could walk to was a Walmart and it was in this really sort of soulless uh, suburb and I was surrounded by just shopping plazas. Yeah. It was pretty bleak. And I was on the third floor. And as anybody who knows, and it was not an elevator building. So anybody who's lived in a third floor walk up with a toddler and a newborn is feeling my pain right now. Um, And it was Minnesota and it was February. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So so I'm setting the stage here. It was, yeah, it was basically from the time, well, that whole first winter after he was born, we lived there. So anyway, um, I was pretty low. That was when I was really working hard to try to like, put together this big group. But even that, I mean, just to get to them was a, a hassle, a right. huge hassle. And the weather that year was bad. And so I ended up just meeting this woman who lived down the hall um, and she had two little kids around the same age as mine. And we weren't, we had like nothing in common, like nothing. <laughs> Except your hallway. Except our hallway. Like we didn't listen to the same music. We didn't have um, the same parenting style. Like, like we just didn't really have anything to talk about except our kids. Um, and in a very general way, like kind of a real roundabout way, right, because we right. didn't want to get too into the nitty gritty of parenting because we were doing it so differently. Um, but I will say that saved my life. Like mm-hmm. I knew her door was always open, sometimes literally, sometimes she would just leave her door open. And so like <laughs> I would just wander down there and just have another human being to like share space with who is an adult. Um, I remember when I, I was really depressed for like a month and I just let my house go. It was really bad. And I remember her coming over and being like that that friend who comes in and opens the shades and is like we're gonna take care of this oh like you know it was magical it was super magical and I felt like for the first time in my life like I couldn't keep up with stuff and that was really hard like Mm -hmm. I was really struggling and having her come by and do that was amazing and also made me feel super vulnerable she figured out there was a reason I hadn't had her over in a month right so it wasn't like like why are you always coming here and you're never having me at your place and then she kind of just took in hand and figured it out and that was really really helpful I think um from the outside when you're a new mom this neighbor thing seems uh more complicated because you've got babies sleeping inside you've got nap schedules you've got your kids aren't on bikes yet or if they are you're like you have to watch them at every second so I also think if this is something you aspire to and you're not getting it yet it might be a stage of life thing I mean our 
my neighbor tribe is amazing. That's the one group I would truly call a tribe right now because the group text is always going like anyone we can. I mean, the number of things we've, we've asked to borrow from each other is like the running list is like <laughs> hilarious. Like, can yeah. I borrow? Like, does anyone have whatever a dog bather system? No. Um, but like we just like, no, trade. I'm not giving that up. No, it's fine. Um, but the kids run around. The garage doors are open. It's really idyllic. But I remember when my kids were really little, there was a group kind of like that in my Arizona neighborhood. And I just was totally watching from the outside because I couldn't figure out how like I had two babies in a stroller and like one on a trike who couldn't even pedal. Like It's just so I I guess I'll just say just be patient because that might be a stage of life thing. It might not. If everyone has babies and is out in the cul-de-sac, maybe you'll have the neighbor friends when in in your new mom stage, too. But I I didn't find it till a little later. All right, so we're back, and the next episode we're going to talk about came as a surprise to both of us that it came mm-hmm. up in you guys' favorites. All right, so shall we get to the one that we thought was so funny? I mean, you guys, come on. Your favorite episode is about dirty laundry. <laughs> so it's episode 167. I listened to this episode um, and was just like squirming at how much it's me. It's me doing a lot of the talking, and I talk. <laughs> so much about my laundry but that's apparently you guys liked it I don't know I talked about everything from like not getting stains out to the sorting and like when I sort and when I fold and and so did you Sarah I just feel like I was particularly Gabby in this one I think sometimes we're we're more sensitive to that when we listen to ourselves I'm sure I talked a lot too um well I mean we had listeners comment that they listened to it more than once um and Rachel on Instagram just said what she liked about it was that like no matter what, like no one's doing it right. There's no like right, one right way you, to do laundry. You're not going to learn how to do the laundry from this yeah. episode. Let's just be clear. Like <laughs> yeah. if your if your idea is to come out with like whiter whites, brighter brights, and right. softer linens, that's just not this. keep moving. Right. Keep moving. Move you're along. not going to get that here. No. Um, yeah. No. I think I think because we talked about like kind of our dirty little secrets, like the piles. How like I don't really use my linen closet. I just have a whole bunch of sheets stuffed in a permanent yes. laundry basket. Like things like that. We just aired aired the literal dirty laundry and the figurative dirty laundry. So we have a couple of funny clips of us talking. And they're about socks and underwear, just as a warning. Just, I mean, it's going to get real deep. (laughs) For a couple of years, well, no, actually for a good long chunk of time, five to seven years, the system was, there was this brand of socks, like, I think it was the gold toe ones. Okay. And you could buy them with one stripe, two stripes, or three stripes. And I think it was based on size. Like the bigger ones had three stripes. So the funny thing is I had to fudge it a little bit because whatever kid was wearing the three stripe socks wasn't actually quite big enough for those yet. <laughs> you're, like, like, you're, you're a three striper. Like, you're a three striper now. <laughs> and I did that for a while. I actually, it was a long time. What's happened since is that everyone now has their own sock, I will say personality, their oh, own yes. sock type. Mm-hmm. And they don't follow my rules anymore. <laughs> um, William likes to wear man socks. Like he will. So when, you know, when, when we were sharing a household with John, he was always digging John socks out and mm-hmm. wearing them. And that would make John crazy. And Owen doesn't like to wear matching socks and he only <laughs> likes crazy socks. Uh-huh. So he wouldn't wear Like if I bought him plain old gold toe socks right. and expected him to wear matches and pairs, he never would. Okay. So that didn't, it's just all, it all fell apart about three or four years ago. So now we used to have this huge sock basket that everyone would pick through. And I really, we moved to really scale that down. And now it's in this much smaller, like metal container that I had, like a metal basket, which is probably supposed to be hanging on a wall someplace holding fruit or something. Like, I think I bought it. <laughs> I think I bought it. I don't know, like 
from Ikea or something. Right. But now it holds the socks and there's, I just have very few pair and I just wash them more. Like yeah. I, the fewer socks, the better. Owen and Isaac's underwear look very similar yeah. to me. They're both like these oddly teeny boxer briefs. <laughs> you know, Isaac's 18 and Owen's 12, <laughs> but they shrink down. Like yeah. when you get them out of the wash, they yeah. kind of all look the same to me. And I have to sometimes study them to tell whose underwear is whose. Which don't you find that kind of annoying? Like I, th- we have a few sets of things where it drives me bananas that I have to like look up close. And I've thought about, yes. okay, the next time I purchase, I'm going to go color coding. I don't know what I'm going to do. Allegra's but You know getting, what? I tried that and I keep forgetting. Yeah, exactly. Allegra's getting to where her socks and underwear could be mine, but that's not as hard because I know my own clothes. Yeah. And you know, it's just, you it's not the same yeah. as having like a whole bunch of little boys like you did. And then because and, of the yeah. spacing of my kids, it hasn't been an issue, but I feel like even a listener asked us about that one time when we did a clothing episode, like, well, yeah. I yeah. tried to color code underwear and the problem is the store without fail, the store won't have the color you hope to get. Yeah. At some point, in like the, you're going to the go there in the right kid. size. Yeah. They're going to have the, only that color in the other kid's size. Like every time I've tried to implement a sock or underwear system like that, it's, it can be fail proof for a little bit, mm-hmm. but it always falls apart in the end. All right. So um, another episode that came up quite a bit, another interview episode was my conversation with Kelly Hiltz. Kelly is a listener of ours and she also is a podcaster. She has the Chatty Sisters podcast and she's a kindergarten teacher. Um, One thing I loved is I love bringing on parenting experts and people who've written books and we will continue to do that and bring you guys like really highly qualified expert voices because sometimes that is the best thing. But sometimes don't you feel like Megan, it's nice just to pick the brain of like a regular, yeah, a regular like a mom I mean, or like, both yeah, have friends and family members and stuff on the show. And I think yes. that's really fun too. Yeah. And so Kelly is a kindergarten. She is just, she's a kindergarten teacher. I don't want to say just a kindergarten teacher, but she's, um, you know, that's her, that's her role. She's also a mom of two little kids. And so I got to pick her brain about kin- being ready for kindergarten and the things that she sees in her kindergarten class, um, if, and kind of set, mom's minds at ease who have kids who are like who are freaking out about getting their kid ready for kindergarten that was the time of year when we aired this is that time when people are starting to think should I red shirt them should I hold them back a year and so we talk about all of those things um but a couple of listeners mentioned that not only was this super helpful in kind of easing their anxieties but that one of the biggest myths that Kelly tried to dispel was this idea of um academic readiness being so important like they've got to be they've got to know all their letters they've got to be you know, starting to read and all of this stuff. And um, what she talks about in the clip that you're going to hear is that it's so much more about their kind of their independent skills and their life skills, which I think, Megan, that just jives with how you and I think about kids anyway. It's not about well, yeah. can they write their name on a straight and they're, line. They're writing their name They're I mean, the most usually they're going to get there. They're going right. to get that. But right. there's all these other soft skills and yeah foundational things that we sometimes like skip past or gloss over or don't think about. So, right. And it, and it should make you feel really good as a mom, because you can help a kid with those things. You can't force a five-year-old to, to read. Who's not ready to read, but you can teach them to put on their coat or, you know what I mean? To, to get them ready in the way that Kelly talks about. So, um, it's possible that we've had listeners who didn't listen to this one because their kids are really tiny, but now you're thinking, oh, maybe I do want to know what my kid will need to get ready for kindergarten. So we'll, we'll listen to that one now. 
when we brainstormed this episode, I said, Kelly, I don't want people to think they have to do flashcards with their three and four year olds. And no. you're like, neither do I. So yeah, let's no, talk I about like flashcards. Yeah. When we talk about kindergarten readiness, we're talking about this in a really encouraging, accessible way. We're not talking about teaching your kid to learn before to learn to read before kindergarten. So what are we yes. talking about in terms of readiness? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things to get your child ready for kindergarten or look at to see if they're ready is actually more of like the independent skills, like just life independence. Like, okay. can they put on their own shoes, their own coats? Um, maybe not like fully zip themselves, but like by the beginning of kindergarten, they should really be zipping their coat themselves if they, if possible. Okay. Um, even like going to the bathroom, like I was just listening to your episode <laughs> about, um, like other adults and you guys were talking about like other adults wiping them but like in kindergarten at public school at least we can't do that sure and I often have kids ask me like can you wipe me and I'm like yeah no I I can't so like they need to at least be able to like I'm not saying they're amazing wipers like I get it I have a (laughs) four-year-old but like at least enough to get themselves through the day so that you can like kind of fix the situation when they get home (laughs) yeah so like that kind of stuff is more important and I also think like Um, you know, like being able to open some of their stuff for their lunch, like even their willingness to do it. So like a lot of kids like can't physically open like a bag of cheddar bunnies, but if they're willing, if the teacher says like, here are the scissors, go over and cut it, like, will they actually do it or will they keep asking? It doesn't shock them that it's their responsibility. Like they've, you know, they may not be totally competent, but it's, they've understood that they should be or that they could be. Exactly. Okay, Sarah, I'm really excited to set this last one up because I I know for myself, we probably did two or three episodes this year where I felt nervous about them going out. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them because we both really exposed ourselves and our mistakes. Like mm-hmm. our mom fails, which we even talked about the fact that like hashtag mom fail mm-hmm. is kind of kind of has become this like trope or this like yeah. meme yeah. that kind of can minimize how badly you yeah. feel. And it's episode 150, 157. We got a lot of requests for this one. Um, and we talked about just all the, like so many of the ways that we have messed up as well, parents and, and these are real fails too. Not just like stupid things like, Oh, I burned the chicken or whatever. Right. Like yeah, these, these are, are real things, things where we know we screwed up. Well, and here's the thing. When we prepped this episode, I actually thought it was going to be kind of funny. Like I thought it was going to be too. us kind and of, and then I cried. I like <laughs> we cried was, a couple, a couple times. It was very, almost uncomfortable. And I didn't expect that because I thought it was going to be with, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you're like, oh, wasn't I naive? I can't believe I did that. Like, ha ha, pat each other on the back. And what we realized is like, there are really raw feelings built up. And even if we can completely forgive ourselves, give ourselves grace, we know that we were doing the best we could and that it was just a silly mistake or we didn't know any better at the time. But even with that, it was really raw to talk through these Um, so I think the clip that we're going to play you is sort of like our, it's like our sum up thoughts about mom fails in general. It comes from, you should go back and listen to the whole episode because we like probably each laid out five ways. Yeah. And the way that we structure the episode, I also remember was really interesting. We, we set up like the kind, we, we each had a kind of fail in each section. Remember that? You're right. And it was like the time we thought we could do something the way we used to and then learn the hard way we couldn't. That was one of the fails or like the time we freaked out on our kid, like we overreacted to something. The time we didn't trust our instincts, which is like all of mine. Yeah. The time we didn't trust our kid, like, like really got deep. And there's so like, there's so much like shame and and sadness, like kind of wrapped up in that, even though they are kind of, can be kind of funny stories. Like it's just, 
this one for me was really powerful. I would actually recommend everyone goes back and listens to this episode all the way through um, after they hear, which I think what you were setting up is the clip is going to be kind of like a summary of our high level thoughts about yeah. bills in general. But like, it's worth just going to listen to how much we've dropped the ball because so will you and every other mom that you know. So will you. And fail, I think we did get some feedback of using the word fail almost makes it sound like like you could have like motherhood is something that you can either succeed or fail at. And of right. course, that's not what we believe. The fail is the the feeling that you have, right? Like right. that's the, it's the label we put on ourselves. It's not that empirically any of us is able to fail at this, but that's the, that is the pit in your stomach feeling. Yes. So, all right, well, we'll play our um, wise words. But yeah, if you want to hear about the time that I made my child sleep on basically a bed of nails, because I didn't believe her that the bed was uncomfortable, <laughs> you should go listen to the episode. <laughs> You know, I, I think that really what is like, and I, and I heard it in your voice and I felt it like in myself is there's this deep shame around things that sometimes aren't that big of a deal. Yeah. Like these are really big deals to us, but none of my kids have brought any of these things up since. Like, it's not like, like, and, and some of them, you know, are potentially a big deal. Um, and you learn from it and you go on. And I just feel like, I don't know that there's any way around the shame. I think the fact that we feel it is is evidence that we're good parents yeah you know and that we probably wouldn't make that same exact mistake twice but we might make another mistake in the same arena and i want to say something about the danger because a lot of our stories involve potential potential big dangers i think one of the reasons those feel so raw is like we are constantly keeping out our our kids out of mortal danger especially when they're little you're doing it all the time but the times when it's right in front of you is when you have a potentially close call like that so it's if anything you know it's obviously we count our blessings we know that bad things can happen all the time and those little moments feel like big fails because it kind of reminds us that that's always our job like we're always having to do that but then yeah when your kid is face down in the water it feels like the weight of all of that responsibility is in that moment so yes and I and I think it also you know the fact that enough of those stood out in our minds that those were moments of potential danger where actually nothing happened. Right. And then there's probably a million others you don't even know. Like yeah, another exactly. times that your kids were potentially in danger. You didn't even see it happen. Exactly. It just shows you that there's so many potential dangers in the world and usually things still work out. Like, yes. <laughs> and that's not to say don't try or like, right. You know, don't, uh, don't ever protect or um, supervise, but more like, I think we all have a room to like take a deep breath. The world's not yes. maybe as dangerous as it feels when you're keeping some, literally keeping them alive. Yeah. And I, and also, I mean, I think that's a big anxiety trigger for a lot of new moms. And so if that's something that you're struggling with, definitely make time to deal with that. I remember I used to have, we used to be around swimming pools a lot because we lived in Arizona and I would have, I would wake up in the middle of the night having either dreams or just like bad hallucinations about mm-hmm. pool safety after we'd been at a pool. And it's almost like you yeah. have to, you have to give yourself like give yourself the time and space you need to kind of process that because there's a lot of kind of post-traumatic stress or just anxiety that goes along with that kind of danger and yeah I and I think that and it can be free-floating sometimes I, my yeah. sister I remember telling me about when she was when her kids were little she would have these terrible fantasies in the middle of the night about them getting trapped in like old refrigerators wow and then yeah. you know that's a very specific yeah. thing like kids aren't going to stumble across yeah. an old refrigerator every day but I think yeah. it was it was probably more if I'm you know, armchair psychologizing her. It was probably like unknown, something she can't control. It's not something she'd have in her house, but maybe it 
they could be. And it was when they were starting to get old enough that yep. they were going out in the world more. And yep. also just like during a very stressful time for her personally. Yeah. So it's like all those things can kind of manifest yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, this has been really fun. Really Sarah, fun. I really enjoyed getting to go back and listen to these episodes. We're putting out so much content right now that I feel like I start to get like amnesia about what we've done. Oh, completely. Even just putting the list together was like, yeah. I was like, whoa, what? we talked about what? So it was really fun for me to go back and hear all this stuff. And um, I'm excited that, you know, listen, new listeners, maybe who haven't made it that far back in the archives, get a new taste of it. And then you guys who have listened to every single episode, it's kind of your reward that we just like delivered you some fun moments from the last year without you having to go search for them. Some nuggets, so I, nuggets I of hope wisdom. You I hope you enjoyed the nuggets. And I also would just, I mean, if you guys wanted to make our like holiday hearts very happy and we could make like one request of you, I think it would just be that you share this episode with a friend. Cause yeah. I think this episode is a great, like bite size mm -hmm. sort of just example of what this show is all about. And I would love for people to get to know us through something like this. Yeah, absolutely. That would be, that would be huge. And also if you do that, shoot us an email and tell us if you feel like it. Sometimes it's hard. We never, we don't really, there's no paper trail. So we don't know when you do that, but we appreciate every time that you do tell a friend or show a friend how to download a podcast. Cause that's another thing that sometimes happens is not all, not everybody knows even how to get a podcast. Right. So yes. Every yep. time you do that, you are um, just opening up a whole new world for moms, not yeah, just our absolutely. show, but podcasts in general. In so. general. Yeah. All right. So Megan, this makes me so excited to plan content for 2019. It's like got my wheels spinning, yes. but I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to put that on you until we actually return in 2019 and start you know, putting out. Well, we're gonna we're gonna shows. take a little bit of a break, but that's great. We a break like five it. days. So so when I say you and I are taking a break, oh. I mean you and I are taking a break. But <laughs> the production uh, listeners will not experience a break. We They're, will not give you a break, listeners. No. You are going to continue to listen to us, whether like whether you like it or not. But but we're gonna take like we're gonna take a week. Yeah. We don't have to record. That's not bad. It's, it's better than we've done. Yeah, that's true. This year, that's true. Um, but I'm really looking forward to 2019, guys. I want more, bigger, better. Like I just want to find new ways to reach all of you and and new moms as well that aren't listening yet. Um, and maybe in new ways. You yeah. Know? Like it's kind of funny because we came from blogging mm -hmm. and and then podcasting is like this new thing, and it's like we have to go kind of double down on podcasting, but it's just another medium. It's just yeah. another way to reach people. And so now we can take like this awesome community that we've put together and, and like we can all reach each other in different ways. And I love yeah. podcasting is probably the one that you guys all like the best, but who knows? Maybe some of you are readers too. Yeah. We've got, we've got all kinds of ideas. And also we should um, tell everybody that the first couple of episodes are already planned for 2019. Here I go. Um, we have an episode on January 1st. And then of course the following Tuesday, the 8th, and those will both be kind of new year, new intention focused in different ways. Um, so just make sure you're subscribed. If you are brand new, if you are one of the new listeners who was sent this episode, make sure you're subscribed. So you get that dropping in your feed on January 1st. And we will talk to you guys in the new year talk to you soon guess what megan over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor erica to help them unplug that is amazing erica that's erica with a k is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health study focus sleep and daily balance 
It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. 